We are going to be starting into um, a, new, a new series, new series of thought here uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, talking about one another, how we treat one another, how we're called to act in Christian community with one another. Uh, so this morning we're going to be talking about bearing one another's burdens. This weekend started one of my favorite times of the year, uh, and that is the college football season. Um, and I was afraid that some of us might have to be bearing burdens here this week. There were a couple close games, uh, Thursday and Saturday. And, uh, but look, we're here, we're rejoicing, we're smiling, uh, so no burdens to bear this week as far as the college football season is concerned. But maybe some other burdens we need to uh, bear with one another. Well, this is uh, the first part of the New Testament when we start reading into this, into the New Testament, into the story of Jesus and, and, and what this, how this gets fleshed out. Uh, the first part are four versions of the gospel story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all kind of telling their story of, of what happened when Jesus was here and living and ministering and how he was teaching and the stories and the parables and the prayers and, and all of the things that were happening in and through the life of Jesus. And then following these accounts, we have a history of the earliest church and how the Jesus Way movement kind of begins in, in the story of Acts. And then there's a series of letters that fills up much of the rest of the New Testament letters or, or epistles. Many are written by Paul and they're written to uh, different groups of Christians kind of spread around the Roman world at that time. Uh, Paul is addressing uh, practical concerns, things that are happening, issues that are happening, uh, and he's, he's trying to figure out what does it mean since Jesus has come, lived, and died, and ascended, has, has passed on this, this mission um, to the church uh, of continuing to uh, teach and preach the, the good news and, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus had commanded. What does this mean for our life? Um, and so Paul, uh, often Paul, uh, would write these letters to groups of Jesus followers that met in a particular city. And they would um, often meet in homes or businesses. They didn't have uh, set-apart places for worship, uh, buildings like the modern church has. They would meet in homes and, and businesses. They would meet for worship, they would meet for study and for eating together. And we often think of Paul as kind of a, a great theologian uh, and maybe with particular emphasis often placed on Romans, which is kind of one of Paul's longest and most comprehensive letters. But the topic or the issue that Paul uh, seems to deal with the most the thing that he wrote most about is what we call table fellowship. It had to deal with groups of Christians, in particular Jews and Gentiles, those that weren't Jewish. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus together? And it seemed to be a major issue in the early church. How do those of us who have followed the Torah, who have tried to live out all of these laws that are back in Leviticus, 
What does it mean for us to live and worship with folks that are coming out of pagan cultures that have no idea about eating kosher, that love their bacon? Um, Like, how do we live life together? It had to do with eating meals together, but more who could associate with whom and, and who was allowed in and who wasn't allowed in. Meals in their world had huge significance in the ancient world. They, they have a, a, a huge significance for us as well as what we gather and we fellowship with one another. But in Paul's world, good Jews were uh, not allowed to sit and eat with Gentiles. And so there was this strange thing happening as uh, folks that were Jewish and folks that were Gentile were trying to follow Jesus together. Now a new people is being formed out of the old and what we kind of talked about this summer, Isaiah's vision of everyone being welcomed to the city of God is beginning to unfold and it's causing some friction in these early churches. Jews and Gentiles were often struggling to work out their differences and uh, in a number of cities what was happening was... um, Folks were coming in and teaching all of the Gentiles that they needed to now follow all of the laws that was expected of the the Jewish folks. Um, All of the dietary restrictions, all of the circumcision restrictions, and understandably, this was causing um, some issues in the early church. And so Paul writes in a number of his letters to talk about this. How do we live with one another as followers of Jesus? Now, I'll say when we talk about dietary restrictions and circumcision issues and, and, and the different particulars that they were debating and they were arguing about, their division and their conflict may sound strange or very ancient to us today. So what are we supposed to learn from folks arguing about food or washing rituals or whether or not men need to be circumcised? Well, I guess in 2,000 years, the church has completely figured out how to live cooperatively together, haven't we? Hardy, har, har. And so actually, Paul is helping the church to put flesh on this theology Jesus has come to inaugurate a new kingdom, and so Paul is working through salvation and healing by grace through faithfulness, and Paul is saying that it looks like this. This is how followers of Jesus are meant to live and treat one another, and it's supposed to be different. It's supposed to look different. So over the next couple of weeks, as we look at this one another series, we're going to talk about bearing one another's burdens. Next week, we'll talk about bearing with one another. Those are two separate things. We'll talk about encouraging one another, meeting with one another. And then um, on October 2nd, we're going to have an opportunity to practice all of this with one another as we gather for love feast and communion. So as we kind of dive into this bearing uh, one another's burdens this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
As I was kind of just laying out the next couple of weeks, you heard that there's two bearing with sermons. This morning is, is kind of geared towards bearing a burden or, or load alongside someone. It's about lightening the load of someone, kind of coming under them and, and walking with them. Um, there are more than a, a, a few uh, injuries that happen if, I, if you're watching college football. And often what happens is somebody's kind of coming under them, bracing them up and helping them walk off the field. Um, kind of that idea that we walk with one another, we bear the weight uh, of one another. Uh, and, and so it's about lightening another's load. Next week is about how we bear with one another, how we work and worship with one another when there are differences. Again, in 2,000 years, not a lot has changed. Humans still have conflict. Community still has conflict. And we have to learn to bear with one another when we have these differences, when we don't get along. In 2022, when Christians don't agree, often what happens is one group takes their ball and goes home because they can't play nice with others. That was not a reality in Paul's world, where there was just one church. It wasn't like you went to the next congregation down the road. There's just the church that meets in this city. And so when there's just the church that meets in this place, and when you're dealing with persecution and you're dealing with stress uh, from the outside and dealing with all of the stress and conflict in the inside, what happens is you have to work through it. That sounds very strange to us. Because in our world, you just go somewhere else with more people that agree with you. But I think there's a lot that we need to be learning from the, the issues that Paul was dealing with and the issues that the early church was dealing with. Maybe we should be learning some lessons for our life together as well. As we look at this passage out of uh, Galatians 5 and 6 this morning about bearing one another's burdens, it's important for us to understand a couple things about the background of the folks that were meeting in Galatia. Galatia was one of these places where the Jews and the Gentiles were struggling to get along. Again, some teachers had come to town and were telling them that Gentiles needed to follow all of the Jewish laws. Um, some from Leviticus, others that may have been added over time, in, in, and everyone was expected to follow all of these laws. That's what these teachers had come to Galatia and were telling these people. And this had created conflict within the Christian community there. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, if you, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Galatians 5. There's pew Bibles, find it in your Bible app. Uh, that way you know right where we're going. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to bridge into chapter 6. Galatians 5.13, Paul is calling for freedom for believers. He's, he's stressing the importance of, you know, that some of us have slightly different convictions, slightly different upbringing, um, and, but we're here to follow Jesus together. And so we need to give some, some freedom to one another, but not to abuse that freedom. In fact, Paul calls the followers of Jesus to become, and this word is really hard for us to hear, become slaves to one another, 
through love. That we are called to follow the servant model of Jesus. Being there for one another, serving with one another, serving one another. And then verse 14, Paul says that the whole law, and he's kind of summing up uh, the law that some are trying to make sure the Gentiles adhere strictly to, Paul says is summed up by the command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is something Jesus did. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Paul is kind of echoing that here. This whole law can be summed up as love your neighbor as yourself. It also echoes Jesus' final command in John's version of the gospel. The, the mark of true followers of Jesus is to what? Is to love one another. Then verse 15, Paul says, Don't keep biting and chewing up one another, or there will be nothing left. That's my version. I think Paul might include these words to the church in America as well. Don't keep biting and chewing one another up about these peripheral issues or there's not going to be anything left. Spend so much time sometimes in the church fighting with one another. There ends up not being much left to do good, to speak good, to, to share the good news of Jesus, to be a part of the healing that God wants to do in the world. And then Paul lists a whole bunch of actions that don't reflect the spirit of life at work in us. This is what, what it might look like when, when God isn't transforming us, when we're getting caught up in, in cycles around us, when we're um, you know, focused on our own freedom, our own benefit, our own uh, priorities, our own selfish behavior. Paul lists a whole number uh, of actions here. But then in verse 22, he says, by contrast, when the Spirit is working, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the traits that should characterize our lives and our interactions with those around us. When the Spirit is at work, when we are trusting Jesus as Lord, when we are allowing him to do his renewing work in our lives, these are the things that should be coming from that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, depending on what translation you're looking at might have slightly different words there. Um, those are the, the version that I learned. I, I don't remember if you, did you ever learn the song, the, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut? And it, you go through all the, the fruits? Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna sing it for you this morning. It's a fun, fun kid's song. You get to learn all the fruits of the Spirit. Now, we're not going to go extensively into each of these fruits. That can be a whole series by itself. What love and joy and peace and patience and the, the particulars of all these. But I don't want to get too bogged down right there. These are the traits that are supposed to be lived out when God's Spirit is at work in our lives. When we are surrendered to Christ, when we are allowing God to renew and to remake us. And then in chapter 5, verse 26, 
Paul says, let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This isn't about who has more patience, who has more kindness, who has more love, who has more joy. And we sit around and we go, well, I have this and you don't have that. And no, This is not about that. This isn't about who's done a better job of following all the laws that week. We've talked about the perception, especially in the wider world, that some people have about Christians thinking they have it all together. And Paul's addressing that right here. Don't become conceited. Don't think you have it all together. Don't think that you're perfect and not in need of a a, a little bit more spirit work in your life. Don't become conceited and don't be envying one another. Maybe sometimes we've lost touch with the spirit characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the spirit are the kinds of things that should characterize our relationship with one another. And so some practical examples for Paul. He talks about if someone messes up, uses, uh, Scripture often uses the word transgression, sin. You who have, he says, you who have received the Spirit, not those that think you're holier than thou, but those who display the characteristics of the Spirit, those who have received the Spirit, should, what's the word here? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. If you've ever interacted with someone who has a, is hypercritical all the time or always negative or someone who knows all of the answers, you stop paying attention after a while, right? Because it doesn't have that fruit of the Spirit as a part of it. It comes uh, without that Spirit. It's not interested in restoring But when I've had someone in my life who is loving, patient, kind, filled with joy, goodness, all of those fruits of the Spirit, when I have somebody in my life who who demonstrates that, maybe not perfectly, but like that characterizes my relationship with them, and they come with me and they say, Adam, I think we need to rethink this, or something in your life is amiss, or, or, or what's happening here? Man, now I pay attention because I know the spirit in which they're coming. I know their care. I know their desire to restore rather than say, you've got it wrong again. Their interest is in restoring. And because of that spirit, I'm there and I'm listening I know there's more of a chance that the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is behind it. What's interesting is Paul's caution to those who are concerned about restoring someone. We always know when somebody else is goofed up, right? And we always want to come and restore them, all right? You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we have the intention, at least in our minds, of restoring them, but maybe we don't come in that kind of spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's interesting is Paul's caution to those who are concerned about restoring someone. He says, take care that you yourselves are not tempted. 
Again, don't think that you have it all together. Bible scholar Walter Hansen has this to say, Awareness of my own vulnerability to moral failure not only puts me on guard against temptation, but also enables me to respond with a spirit of gentleness to someone trapped in sin. The specific temptation in view here seems to be the temptation to react with arrogance and anger to the sin of the offender. Both chapter 5, verse 26, and 6, uh, verses 3 through 4, speak directly to this temptation. It is understandable that the Galatians' desire to live under the law had produced moral watchdogs who were pouncing on sinners, biting and devouring each other. They're the ones standing there going, I gotcha, I gotcha, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Their sins of conceit and their fits of rage were just as serious as the sin of the offender whom they were so harshly condemning. So then we come to uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this word burdens here can have uh, different connotations. Um, it can refer to physical burdens, emotional burdens, mental burdens, moral or spiritual burdens. Paul's kind of using a, a blanket term here. Folks that are struggling, folks that are dealing with all kinds of stuff. How do we, as, as followers of Jesus, as those who are trying to exhibit these fruits of the Spirit, how do we bear under these loads with one another? Bearing burdens, then, is the corporate responsibility of the church. It's the job of all of us to bear with one another, to bear one another's burdens. In chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it, it's ta Paul's talking uh, about taking care to watch out for yourself and your own work. Again, uh, Hansen uh, points out that burdens can be very broad, but within the immediate context, what Paul's writing about directly here, these are burdens brought on by some type of sin and the responsibility of the community of faith to surround and uphold sisters and brothers when the consequences of those actions begin to take effect. So this isn't about the church community standing around saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. And it's not about saying to all of the other good church folk, See, I told them so, I told them so, I told them so. Or sometimes what happens, I told them so, I told them so. And also, when we bear one another's burdens, despite sometimes popular belief, we don't actually individually need to know all the details in order for you to love someone through a difficult situation. Sometimes there's pain and hurts and wounds that someone's working at and they just don't have a voice 
or, or can't at this point give voice to everything that's happening in their life. And you don't need to know all the details in order for you to love and care and support and bear the burdens with them. That's really hard. It can be really hard for me too. I want to know. We're curious. This is about the way that people who have experienced the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God through Christ surround a fellow believer, a fellow sister, brother, a fellow sinner, and we walk with them through difficult situations and circumstances. And Paul says, in so doing, we hold up the the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ. Paul has already summed up what Uh, The law was supposed to be about, about loving your neighbor as yourself. But what the law had become in practice within Galatia, within, we see this issue in Jerusalem, we see it addressed in Paul's letter to the Romans, he's dealing with the same kind of issue. The law had become a way of dividing who was in and who was out rather than ways of coming around one another, uh, uh, lives of, of holiness, lives that are being changed uh, by Jesus. In John chapter 13, Paul says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And Jesus is showing what peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is like. Just as Jesus has loved us in that way, just as we have seen And we continue to read Jesus' love displayed towards the sinners and tax collectors. In this way, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Paul here is then saying, One way of loving one another is to bear one another's burdens. When things are falling apart around someone, whether from their own doing or situations beyond their control, your job isn't to point out all of the shortcomings and failures. In fact, Paul says, make sure you're looking at your own actions The church's responsibility is to lift up one another in prayer. Some more on bearing one another's burdens. I'm curious from you all. What kind of maybe brief examples of how sisters and brothers have helped bear burdens? Can you you think of any instances, ways that maybe folks in the community of faith, Spring Creeker extended, have helped to bear burdens when you've been through a hard time. Here are just some practical examples of ways folks have bared burdens with you. This is my, uh, there you go. Thanks, Ben. Well, well I, want, I, want, I want us to hear it. It's, it's good. Good. That when someone's ill or hospitalized, that people bring meals as well as, you know, the practical matters of praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meals. Those. Reaching out with cards. Reaching out with cards. 
uh, or phone calls or text messages. I know some folks are like, oh, text messages are so impersonal. But I'll tell you what. Uh, depending on, you know, how you connect and, and, you know, sometimes it's characterized as an age thing. I don't know. Uh, but a, a meaningful text message brightens my day, too. There are practical ways. Going and, going and visiting somebody in the hospital who, who's d down and can't get to church and that. Yeah, so just visiting people, spending time, building those relationships back. Just giving a hug to somebody. All right, just giving a hug. Helping moving or painting a house. Okay, so maybe there's practical ways that we can bear, you know, those are uh, some burdens. Uh, if you've ever moved, uh, you've ever had to work on a house or something by yourself, that can be a burden. And uh, it's good to have uh, good folks along with you on that. Yeah, some, some good examples of practical ways that we can bear one another's burdens. Bearing burdens can be about meeting physical needs in hard times. It can be about a support system that surrounds people in vulnerable moments. It might be about running errands. It might be about making meals. And it most certainly can and should involve praying for one another. Well, we don't always take opportunity to, to do this um, on Sunday mornings, but I do want to spend a, a few moments here. And I'm curious if there are um, burdens that you would like to lift up with the body this morning that we can be praying for you, that maybe we can hear you voice some burdens and we can think of other ways that maybe we could surround and, and help bear those burdens with you. If, if you have something, you know, a burden you'd like to share, prayer concern, health concern, something like that, just briefly share. I'll bring the microphone around. And we'll pray for all of these at, at the end then. I have appreciated many of you who tell me that you've been praying for me. This past month has been pretty uh, hard with my back problems. So I think I'd like to share that with the whole congregation. Thanks, Judy. Pray for, for Mike, uh, who had his hip replacement, not struggling with that. Any others? I don't want to miss anyone. Uh, this isn't about me, but I'm, I'm really concerned about our country. I worry, I shouldn't worry. I um, <clears throat> put it in the Lord's hands as to what's going to happen, but it's hard, and I just feel so bad how it's going back. 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't get upset, but it really bothers me. And I pray about it, and nothing seems to change. And that's what I'm concerned about. And I'm concerned about other things, too, but that's the major thing right now. Just pray that I would be the person that God truly wants me to be, and I would be different in the way I live, act, and talk. I think a lot of us will echo that prayer, Glenn. Thank you. I am so grateful for my family who has been there to help me in this difficult time, losing my husband. God bless you all, and I've gotten an unbelievable number of cards in my behalf, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you, God. Thanks, Fern. Going off camera for this one. I want to thank God, first of all, for bringing my mom from Africa. So I thank God for the journey masses. And I also want to thank God. Uh, she had surgery, and the Lord is continuing to heal her. But I want us to pray for her knee. And also my friend Betty, who was in a car accident. So she's in the hospital at Mahashi Medical Center. We need to pray for the kids in school this year so that they have a good year without any problems that they've had in the last two years. Yeah, we can be praying for, for all of our students, all of our kids uh, getting back to school here. I was actually just going to say something similar, but also I was going to expand on just parenting in general and just um, to know exactly best courses of how to parent children through tough times and fun times and all of that. So just prayers for teachers, parents, and all of the um, things that we have to deal with now in these days. Let's pray for these. God, I thank you for um, really the privilege that it is to uh, bear one another's burdens, to walk alongside one another when uh, we're at some really hard moments. Whether that, that's physical pain and, and we lift up to you a number of uh, our uh, family here who have uh, named physical hurts or um, healing that, that is anticipated and, and hoped for, um, I pray that you would surround those that, that need uh, your physical healing right now, God. We also think of uh, others that are in uh, other kinds of situations, um, maybe family situations or uh, work things that are happening, and, and we lift up to you um, 
folks that are, that are in some hard places. God, help us uh, as the family of faith to, to know how best to uh, connect and, and lighten those loads. Lord, uh, for our world, um, I pray that you would uh, just help your church know how best to love you, follow you, trust you, um, to know how to act, when to act, to know how best to reflect your kingdom on the move in, in this place. Lord, for our uh, students, um, for our kids, as they go back to school, as they're on the bus, as they are um, just confronted by different things that, that try to grab their attention and um, different media and different sources that um, connect and uh, try to influence them, Lord, I pray that uh, you might help us know how to support and love and care and parent and Sunday school teacher and just be support uh, systems around these kids that we love so much. God, I pray that uh, you would help each of us to reflect your spirit, to reflect uh, your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. May these become slowly over time with your grace, with your forgiveness. May these become the things that begin to characterize our relationship with one another and with those around us each day. Lord, help us not to be conceited thinking that we have it all together, but help us to come under one another, to walk with one another, to bear the burdens of one another. We ask for your grace and your spirit to be with us as we do this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to uh, rise in body or spirit and turn in your blue hymnal to number 362. This is help us to help each other. Might be uh, a little unfamiliar, but uh, we're going to get to, to learn it here over the next couple of weeks, um, singing this as we work with one another, as we bear with one another, encourage one another, meet with one another. Um, so would you stand as we sing this morning?